0: Now, you see, experimental, that's what we're doing here at COG, uh, Creative Original Game Conference. Um, uh, hello, uh, yeah, my name is Martin Pichima, as introduced before, and I'm going to talk about uh, a paper that we submitted that Mess and I, who is now uh, since five minutes actually sitting here beside me. (laughs) So he didn't know that he's going to be part of this presentation Um, uh, that we uh, uh, submitted to uh, the transaction games and it is accepted. And I have no idea when it's actually going to come out, but it's in early access. And uh, that is uh, kind of, it's in the pipeline. And the paper is about uh, designing game field, and it's a survey paper. Now, what what does it mean that it is a survey paper? Um, That it is a survey paper means it's a bit hard to uh, present it in just 20 minutes. Um, So I'm just going to cut a lot of corners here. Uh, But what we did was we looked at over 200 different sources that all have to do with game field as a topic, and we tried to just... um, um, uh, condense them into the most uh, uh, contemporary uh, uh, exact description of uh, game field and how to design game field that we can. Uh, the papers in that case come from all the sources we looked at come from three different areas basically. Uh, one of them is uh, previous research on game field. So academic writing about it mostly and uh, academic research about it and the publications uh, thereof. And another one is the reflections of practitioners. That is maybe even the biggest group of research we looked at or of existing material we looked at. And then, of course, we had a lot of uh, holes and gaps and context. So we looked at other sources that somehow contribute to understanding game field and contextualize the whole topic a little bit. Um, what we did not do was a look at games directly. Um, I mean, we did, of course, but we only used them to illustrate points. We only used them to illustrate how something, uh, what we mean when we use a specific term. And we did not uh, 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 use them as a basis for research in this particular work. Um, so what is game feel? Game feel is actually in every game because every game feels a specific way. Um, and there is a what I would call the canonical definition. There are actually a couple of them in Steve Sphinx, a fantastic book of the title game feel. Um, his, uh, uh, one of his uh, like there is a detailed one that you find in paper that I would really encourage you to read, uh, but the more uh, um, compressed one is that game feel is the feeling of real-time control of virtual objects in a simulated space with interactions emphasized by Polish. Now, there's a lot to unpack in this. It's a very condensed sentence, but also uh, after talking to Steve about this and um, after reading out, uh, up a lot on game feel and just working with the topic for a long while, it became very clear that it's actually a bit too restrictive for many reasons, actually. So if you look at real-time control, doesn't have to be real-time control, and what is real-time? Anyway, is the real-time control of the cursor in in an RTS, or what are we talking about? Virtual objects, well, physical games have game field too, so why exclude them from that? Maybe you find categories that actually are applicable to, I don't know, actual card games, and not only simulated card games. Brings us to simulated space. Space can be simulated, well, I mean, space is a very general term, but, it's kind of not really necessary to make that restriction in our opinion well and and so on and so on, and then there are of course dozens of kinds of Polish and we'll get to those a a little bit later in this presentation. Um, So we kind of loosened up that definition uh, uh, as part of our uh, uh, research process and ended up with something that is far more general. and it is that uh, game feel is the feeling of control of a game with interactions emphasized by different kinds of polish. Sounds very similar to the first. It's much looser. It's much more generic, which makes it makes it maybe a little bit more vague, but at the same time it allows us to work more, uh, to put more into this topic, basically. What is important is that game feel is an effective part of interactivity. So the interactivity is there. You have to interact with something, because otherwise, there are other aesthetic categories out there that are better terms than game feel. Um, And what we are also talking about is, of course, or mainly is actually the design of game feel. And that is, of course, designing how interactions feel in a game. an example of this, uh, the complexity of the relationship between Polish and feeling and game design is uh, uh, here, uh, I picked out a quote, Lisa Brown, the, about choosing, which is one of those kinds of Polish. It is basically, well, yeah, it's one kind of Polish. Um, if you're choosing a game, you're not actually choosing the game, you're picking a feeling that a game should communicate and choosing that feeling. So that is at least how it feels uh, to the designer while doing that. Um, which is different to choosing the game itself. Well, Polish is also complicated. Um, And additionally, everything is connected. So game field is, of course, not an established discipline in research or anything. It's not even a very established term outside practitioner service. Um, But it has a lot of connections to a, a lot of established topics that are out there. For example, of course, game design and play design. Of course, there's a link to human computer interaction, there's like feel means that psychology is in, of course, cognitive science tried to somehow connect HCI and psychology. Uh, Pragmatist philosophy is all about how we interact with things and how that what that does to us as our body, our mind. Design theory, interaction uh, design, uh, behind game field, behind how it's implemented. There is very often mathematics, so of course it's in there too. User experience design captures a lot of aspects of game field. Accessibility, super important. What does it mean that I, I don't know, have different uh, difficulty adjustments in the game, for example. Um, Then uh, uh, of course, also neuroscience, ludology, neurotology, a lot of topics, a lot of context. Um, then that is basically around the topic of game field, Now, under game field. There are some principles that are that you can not universally but very often keep recurring when people talk about game field. A lot of them are quite old actually for example the 12 principles of animation. Uh, 12 rules of animation that, uh, that were described in a book by uh, Disney animators in, I think, the 60s. Um, was it the 60s? Yeah, I think it was the 60s. Um, they described 12 rules that you can use in order to make animations more juicy, more lifelike, is what they actually uh, call them. And those principles work extremely well in games. The other reason why Mario felt well, uh, felt so good as a game, because Mario's inertia was actually an innovation and made him feel Better as a game um, in there. Um, and then finally, what also informed our process a lot was that uh, Mess and I both have a history in making actual video games out there in the, in the world. And that means that we can actually that we actually have observed and experienced the design process of video games multiple times, both of us. And we know how different design parts of the design process happen during different phases of development. So we can basically talk about this. We can like this reflects in how we uh, how important we find it to uh, develop a good vocabulary for working with design processes. Okay. So what kinds of polish? If I say different kinds of polish, what am I talking about? Well, basically what we ended up with was, uh, like we we didn't look at all game feel relevant um, research out there because it's too big. But we ended up with three main categories of design domains that we looked at in detail and uh, polishing tasks that are uh, uh, associated with those. One of them is for example, um, amplification, which is the design domain of making things feel intense of intensifying the experience of playing a game by adding feedback, by emphasizing what is important and so on, clarifying very often. And choose is actually something that, or choosing as an activity is something that immediately connects to that. So you're actually choosing the amplification of the game in order to make a final, a uh, uh, feel for how the uh, uh, power fantasy aspect of the game feels. Another way, it's important streamlining, where a lot of techniques are out there to make a game more playable by streamlining the interaction with it. This is not so much accessibility, it can be, but it's not only accessibility, it's something like nudging you around the corner to make your movements feel smooth. It has a huge influence on um, on gameplay, on how the game feels, but it's not really something that is juicy or in any way feels like uh, an amplification. Well, there are so many different aspects of uh, gameplay, of game feel out there, and uh, designers keep talking about it here, years Short, about balancing the feel of rules. Uh, it's, it really uh, um, can be found over and over again in different corners of game design. Um, So what we actually ended up with as categories of game field is uh, five different uh, main categories and 31 subcategories, which is a very arbitrary number. This list is incomplete. It's a good starting point, we hope, but it's, of course, uh, rather arbitrary when we split something into categories or uh, subcategories. Um, Not arbitrary in the sense of random, but arbitrary in the sense of we had to just cluster things according to what we found. the biggest group most likely is movement and action, so everything that has to do with how moving around in the game feels, how uh, the different uh, um, aspects of interacting in this uh, with how, how to execute activities in the game. And then you have basically the channel in the other way, which is the event signification. So something happens, how do you learn that something happens? A lot of truth happens there, for example, as you can see on the left here in this uh, table. That is the core of our work. Um, and then we have time manipulation, which has to do with how time flows, uh, freeze frames, slow motion, bullet time, these things, persistence, which is a little bit an event has happened. It's basically and has to do with time too, of course, persistence. So it's like uh, decals lying around and things like that, that make the change the feeling of how, of a world, of course. Uh, and finally, scene framing, which actually is finally uh, one of Polo's papers is <laughs> referenced there. It's all connected, I tell you. <laughs> so camera control and how uh, highlighting sp- sp- things that happen uh, happens by uh, shaping the visual representation of the game. Now, how do you use the paper? It's a survey paper. So the, the the nice thing that it does is it gives you this table at its heart and the table has little references and you can just dig deeper and deeper and you click on this one, uh, the basic movement thing and then you get to a paper and the paper has a list with maximum airspeed as one of the categories and maybe even concrete values. So you can see that Uh, Super Meat Boy has a maximum horizontal airspeed of 18 units per second. So you can basically drill down to a value that helps you a little bit to understand how the space of a specific experience works in parameters. Um, This was an an example of an academic paper uh, that uh, uh, worked with, uh, parameterization of game spaces, of game experiences. There are a lot of reflections by practitioners out there, too. Here's one example that we linked in the Coyote Time. Coyote Time is this uh, effect where the Coyote in Roadrunner runs over a a little uh, cliff and before falling down has a few seconds of uh, not realizing that gravity has kicked in, basically. And it's a very, very usual thing to do in games that you add a little bit of grace period for the player. For example, Cannavolt, according to its author, uh, Adam Saltzman, has eight pixels, exactly eight pixels of every building that it is physically bigger than it looks. Um, So... uh, That is one thing, you can just use this paper as this kind of reference collection to dig deeper into what uh, concretely, uh, how designers concretely work with specific aspects of game field. But then we also had some general observations that are maybe interesting. One of them is that nearly everything you're writing about is actually used in a compounded way. So usually you have not one little particle effect to signify something, but no, you have like the backstep here in Dark Souls, you have like invincibility during the attack, which changes how you feel, how it feels. Uh, you have like regional uh, uh, restrictions on what you can do when uh, you, the speed of a character is determined by the equipment and so on. You have different particle effects, overlaid and sound effects and control of vibration. And slow motion, and, 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 and. And that is basically normal. This is very largely what a game designer does layering and layering of different levels of truth and polish, and still maintaining clarity ideally. Um, Another observation that we had is that many designers are extremely explicit in saying that player intent is more important than simulation. So they're not making simulation games, even if it's a pixel precise platformer. They're putting hundreds and hundreds of little tweaks in there, for example, in Celeste, um, to make sure that the game plays as the player wants it to feel or that it feels exactly precise to the player instead of being precise necessarily. And that is just more important. So, that is something that just came up over and over and over again. So, how can we summarize this? Um, <laughs> um, designing the game field is uh, uh, the, the game field design is mini design work that evokes an effective reaction in the player. So, it's the design of how a game feels. Well, simple. Um, What can you do with this information I just gave you? Uh, You can use the list as a reference, as I said before. You can take uh, different design domains, additional things, for example, the rules thing would be very interesting. Writing would be super interesting to look at. and just add more design domains in order to get an understanding there Uh, you can it it hopefully helps you in separating different polishing tasks from the main design part in order to have a better structured design process while working on your game Uh, and finally you can also analyze whether how different polish tasks are applied to different design tasks so you can use one of them and use it in a different domain to see how uh, if that does something interesting. Or finally, you can make a, a tool that helps with the truth creation. And this is actually where this whole paper, where half of it basically comes from, is that we wanted to make a tool for designing good game feel in a, in a, in a very streamlined way as a mixed initiative tool. And um, for that, we needed a better theoretical and uh, basically a, a better language to talk about uh, game feel aspects. Okay. That is it from me. Thank you for listening. And I don't know if you have questions. I'm looking at we my host. We have one question. We have one question. I'll, I'll act as the voice uh, yes. like, uh, from, from behind at this point. Um, uh, what I think that the most that the game is, the game is, yes, that uh, the power of game feel. I mean, I had Slay the in there, which is like a card game that is only so replayable because it feels so good. That is really what made the difference for this specific game. The rules are perfect. It's a wonderful game, but it feels just very well to play and a lot of other card games feel much flatter. But I actually think it's every single game out there that is good. If you look closely, then it's always because the attention to detail was there and things are just iterated until they are good. Um, I hope that helps quickly take the other first of all amazing work the process of game field is closely related to fine-tuning activities during game design however given that you surveyed a lot of empirical problems, do you have any insights around first shot game field design that is how much fine-tuning is required honestly there's always more fine-tuning required and it never ends uh, and and later you do patches and updates and nerf the rules and so on i think there is it just doesn't stop um, as the first step Honestly, it's all about the process. Show it to people and you will see if it feels good. But also keep in mind what how you actually want the thing that you're making to feel and just stick to that. Um, then, then you will also feel when it fits. Of course, your feelings will change. That's the beauty of design. Okay, I'm getting a guillotine sign here. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. Back to the host. <laughs>